0: We are in the fifth and, in fact, the final week of a series looking at the relationship between our faith life and our work life. I'm grateful to Father Nicholas for helping me out with this series. I haven't been on vacation these past weeks. I was facing a deadline from my editor for our new book, our next book. The book is finally finished and will be released in October, and we'll be launching it here in January. Anyway meanwhile, thank you, Father Nicholas. I am grateful. Well, I guess I'm grateful. A fellow stopped me in Starbucks this past week. I'm really enjoying this series with Father Nicholas. <laughs> and I said, Great. And he said, no, I I I mean it. I really mean it. And I said, yeah, glad to hear it. And he said, no, I mean it, they're they're some of the best messages I've ever heard. And I said, I get it. (laughs) Thank you. Well, if you're a fan of Father Nicholas, you're in luck because he'll be speaking again this summer along with Daniel and Tom as we transition into what we like to call summer format starting next week with our first summer message series. Summer format is basically offering the message after Mass to allow some other voices and other views here in Big Church. So plan now on joining us for our first summer series we're calling Presence. You can check it out on our website. Well, as we started this series, I shared with you three key insights from the Bible that have guided our reflection. First key insight, work is good. Work is good. The Bible begins with God at work. That's how basic work is to the world. In the beginning, there was nothing. And then God literally went to work. He spoke the world into existence. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. He organized the world by separating light from darkness, day from night, seas, and dry land. Other ancient religions depicted the creation of the world as the result of warring cosmic forces, but Genesis tells us differently. Genesis reveals that creation didn't come out of conflict, but creativity. Creation is the result of the loving kindness and infinite creativity of a master craftsman. And yet, the Hebrew word for work used in Genesis describes ordinary, everyday, common labor, labor that we all undertake every day, thus establishing such work as a pattern for creation once and for all and forever. And as God completed each stage of his work in creation, the book of Genesis tells us that God paused to acknowledge that it was good. Over and over again, Genesis repeats that the work of God is good, which also established a permanent pattern that we experience as well. Whenever we complete a project, finish a job, accomplish our work goals, it feels good. In some ways, there's no better feeling. And that's not pride, that's a pattern that God has placed within us. From the very beginning, we see the goodness of work later reflected in the person and life of Jesus Christ. Think about it. God came among us not as a conquering hero, not as a philosopher king, not as some noble statesman, but as a carpenter. And most of his life, most of his life was spent laboring as a carpenter. So through creation, God the Father, and through His life, God the Son, reveal the goodness of work. Second key insight, work is more than just good, it's a gift. People mistakenly believe that God gave work to humanity as punishment for sin, but that wasn't the case at all. The truth is, God gave us work as a way to participate in His work. From the very beginning, work was part of the plan, part of the paradise of Eden. God gives human beings the work of ruling over the earth and caring for it, thus establishing humanity's dignity and purpose firmly rooted in part in our work. Certainly, some of our greatest frustrations in life can come in our work environments, whether we like our job or not. But any work you do, and by the way, everybody works, even if you don't currently have a job, everybody works. Any work you do can have value, and being grateful and thankful for that fact can change your attitude, or at least brighten your view. Third key insight, we need work. We need work. And not just for the paycheck that it provides, not just as a means to an end. We need work in itself. In fact, I'll go further and say this, you will not have a meaningful life without work. Well, today as we close out this series, just a reminder that if you've missed any or all of this series, or know someone who needs to hear this message, check it out on demand, online, anytime, churchofthenativity.com. To help us close out this series, we're going to take a brief look today at the book of Deuteronomy, today's first reading. Deuteronomy is is the fifth book of the Bible. Through Moses, God had led the Israelites out of the slavery of Egypt in a miraculous way, parting the Red Sea for their escape. The Israelites witnessed the mighty hand of God protecting them. Then, out in the desert, God provided for them in a supernatural kind of way. But despite his provision, whenever they faced a problem or a struggle, the Israelites mumbled and complained against God. God kept providing, and the Israelites kept complaining. Finally, God had enough when the Israelites actually refused to enter the promised land. Think about that. They refused to enter the promised land. You can read all about why in the first chapter of Deuteronomy. So God said, fine, this generation will not enter the land. You can spend the next 40 years in time out, wandering aimlessly in the desert. Your children will possess the land. You will not. Well, flash forward, as that nomadic period came to a close, Moses gives the people instruction about their future. Moses said, remember how for 40 years now, the Lord your God has directed all your journey in the desert, so as to test you by affliction. So Moses recaps this history and reminds the Israelites why they've been in the desert all this time. God was testing them. It was sort of the work he was giving them to do, to see if they really trusted him. This may be an uncomfortable thought, but one theme of scripture is that God tests us. Sometimes he creates the test, sometimes he just allows them. He tests us to see if we're willing to trust him, even when it's difficult to do so. Moses describes the test. He therefore let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you with manna, a food unknown to you and your fathers in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. God allowed the Israelites to feel their hunger out in the desert where they had no idea how to provide for themselves. In Egypt... They were slaves, but they knew where their next meal was coming from. Out in the desert, they did not. God stepped in and he gave them food. He gave them manna from heaven. That word manna actually means, what is it? The Israelites had never seen anything like it before. When they saw it for the first time, they said, what is it? God provided the manna so they would recognize Him as their ultimate provider. We believe God is our Heavenly Father. We believe that we're His beloved sons and daughters. And it is in the nature of fathers to provide for their children. If you're in a tough spot right now, if you feel like you're wandering in a desert, it could be God is using this period to help you turn to Him and rely on Him as provider in a way you have not before. Moses continues, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good country, a land with streams of water, with springs and fountains, a land where you will always have bread and will where you will lack for nothing. So God is giving them this great blessing with one demand. But... When you have eaten and are satisfied, you must bless the Lord your God. You must bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Make sure you remember where your blessings come from. Make sure you remember to thank God for them. Make sure the blessing leads to worship. Why? Moses tells them. Lest you have eaten and are satisfied and have built fine houses and your silver and gold has increased, and then you become haughty of heart and forget the Lord your God. Let's acknowledge this about human nature. It was true thousands of years ago, and it's true today. When we have blessings and abundance, it can be easy to forget about God. We forget about God, and then start to think that we're the ones who made it all happen through our own effort, through our work. And when we forget about God, our worship becomes misdirected. But here's what I need to remind myself over and over again, and what I probably need to remind you, too. Your true provider is not your business. It's not your customers. It's not your employer. It's not your company. It's not you or your efforts. It's God, your Heavenly Father, And acknowledging that is always the first step in true worship. Anyway, this is how the section ends. Moses reminds them, God guided you through the vast and terrible desert that He might afflict you and test you, but also to make you prosperous in the end. They undertook the work that God gave them In their desert journey and the result was that God prospered them. When it comes to our work there are two very different ways to look at it. We can see our work is merely necessary to earn a living or complete what must be done or pursue some goal or perhaps as a path to some prosperity that we achieve by ourselves. But the point is, our work is ours. It's what we do. The other way, the higher way, the holier way, is to accept the work we do as a career and calling from God. We can actually do that in our prayer. We can lift up our, our, our work in prayer. The point is, Our work is what we do with God. For those of you who are currently thriving in your work, thank God, praise God, who is the provider of that blessing. For those of you who are not, who are struggling, maybe you feel like you're wandering aimlessly in a desert when it comes to your work. Please know that God wants to lead you out of that desert. Maybe He wants to lead you to a better place, a different place, or just a different attitude. I don't know when or where that would be. I am not saying quit your job tomorrow morning. I'm not saying that. But just as God led the Israelites out of the desert, He can lead you. If you'll trust Him and take whatever next step He's asking you to take. To hear Him, though, you have to slow down and be listening in prayer. God brought the Israelites through their desert work so that they might come to know Him as their true provider and in the end, so they might prosper. God wants you to prosper too. I don't know if that means financially or or not. Maybe not. But He definitely wants you to prosper in your work as a way of coming to kn- know Him better. You probably know that sometimes the Mass is called liturgy. But did you know that liturgy is actually a Greek word, an ancient Greek word for work? Liturgy is work. Today is the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Feast of the Body and Blood of Christ, celebrating the gift of the Eucharist, which we offer and receive here in the liturgy. The Eucharist represents Christ's work on the cross, but it calls forth our work too. Liturgy is our work, attending the Mass, attending to the Mass, actively participating through our worship, and our worship offering, we join our work to Christ, all of which is preparatory to receiving Christ in Holy Communion, prefigured by the manna in the desert. In Holy Communion, we actually receive Christ in order to become more like Him. Joining our work to His work is exactly how we become more like Him. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.